Welcome to One of Us is Lying, the podcast where, well, one of us is lying. We'll be telling either historical stories, ridiculous conspiracy theories, or some deeply confusing combination of both each week. Thanks for tuning in. good at this hi um, no <laughs> it's fine at it's no what makes point this has endearing. there been a smooth introduction um you are listening to one of us is lying the podcast where one of us is lying um shocking yeah this week we'll be talking about things i didn't want to go to that part um no what else do, do you we skip say ahead here? do you want me to try to yeah. do it <laughs> okay <laughs> take three yeah Hi, my name's Curdy. The other co-host over in the corner is Jada. Together, we are One of Us is Lying, the podcast where, well, one of us is lying. Shocking, we stick exactly on brand with what we named ourselves. Essentially, every week we'll cover historical stories, weird conspiracies, or some weird combination of both. One way or another, one of our stories is not going to be entirely truthful, but all of our background information is. So we hope to confuse you, make you question everything, and honestly make you a little bit disappointed in the state of the world. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. The, it's, one of those things is definitely a product, not a goal. <laughs> I mean, tomato, tomato. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> All right. Curdy. Vibe check. Hi. Ooh, vibe check, vibe check. We this also, last... We never yes. explained why we vibe check. Like, we just started doing it, but I'm pretty sure I cut out the part that explained why we vibe check. I think you're right. I know that we've talked about auras and colors we, of our, like, vibes, but no. Wh- Jada, why do we vibe check? So, we vibe check because Vice put out an article that stated the best way to check in with people is to vibe check. So, this is how we convert. <laughs> like, COVID has instated a new policy among households to where this is the best form of communication. So, so we're vibe checking vibe each check. other. This is self care. <laughs> this is communication at its highest level. Yep. Not just like, how so, are you doing, but vibe check. No, what, what's the overall vibes of you? Like, how are your vibes doing? Um, <laughs> I hate my vibes. Today, by the way. <laughs> You really shouldn't leave me alone with terms like vibe because it's going to just devolve quickly. <laughs> All right. Go forth. Tell us your vibes. Vibe checks. Um, last week and into this week, a mess. I like it was chaotic. <laughs> like nothing bad happened, but like two people from like the outskirts of my life that I totally thought I was never going to hear from again fucking popped up. It's like that COVID all response, though. I, mean, I guess. <laughs> like, I, I think people are bored and they're like, hi, I wonder what she's up to. But like, I don't know. It was weird. And then like, interpersonal relationships challenge me. Just going to leave that one at that. <laughs> That's an open-ended statement, but okay. <laughs> yeah, it is an open-ended statement. And that should express to you my level of confusion. Um, How are your vibes? Are they colored to this week or like... <laughs> Just, just existing. I'm not providing colors anymore. That didn't go well the first time. No, I love. Please, please provide colors for your vibes. I'll provide colors for mine if that's what it takes. Uh, okay, okay. So I'm less of a beige. I'm more of a yellow today. I would say. Oh, we're still green, staying on though. that neutral. Maybe chartreuse. I was feeling. Oh, okay. A nice in between. Yeah. Also, it matches your shirt. You're wearing a nice little green shirt. 
Okay, so tell us why you're a chartreuse today. Um, I had my first job interview in about a year. Woo! Yeah. Hell yeah! How did it go? Tell us. Um, tell us all the things. It went It went bad, and then it went good. <laughs> it was one of those things where I could tell she was disinterested, and I was super nervous, so like I couldn't really engage her, but I happened to ask a good question. Um, I didn't realize this at the time, but I was actually interviewing with the CMO. So not like the hiring manager, oh. but the chief marketing officer of the company. Fucking casual. Yeah. So <laughs> glad I didn't know that That's before. Exciting. I was already nervous. Um, so hopefully, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I want to say I don't think I'll get it uh, just because I think there are other candidates who might be a little bit more qualified, but you know, you'll never know. You still made a good impression. It was still a good way to get off your feet and like try interviewing again yeah. because that takes a lot. It was my first interview uh, after about two months of searching too. So it's Damn. helpful. Look at you go. Proud of you. That's really exciting though. Look at you. I'd clap, but that would be loud. It's okay. <laughs> Golf clap. <Okay. laughs> so now that I've told us all, said all of that, Jada, were you lying last week? I was not lying last week, and this is the first time I successfully made a little blurb about it. Ooh, tell me more, and I should pull up my thing so I know what I'm lying about. Yeah. So, unfortunately, the QAnon story that I told last week is casually true. Uh, Cynthia Apkug was arrested and accused of conspiring to heist a child in late 2019. Uh, Cynthia- conspiring to heist a child? Yep, Sorry, I just really what like I'm calling that. kidnapping now. Um, heist a child. So- the heist a child. Cynthia A. is currently behind bars with a significant bail of uh, $250,000 and was actually denied the motion to decrease bail because she was a flight risk. So the judge was like, now we're not letting you out despite COVID, basically. Um, Fantastic. Other, yeah, it was pretty great. And then in other news, uh, QAnon supporter Jeff Merkley won a Democratic nomination for Senate in Oregon. I thought they were white right-wingers. They are. Oh, wait, no. That's, so QAnon is a right-wing extremist group. He's just running on a liberal platform. Okay, that's wild and upsetting. Yeah. Do you, did you say how much her bail was set at? 250000 Good. Get wrecked. Yep. Okay, so on the flip side, I was lying. Kind of. I'm always kind of lying. I'm never, I'm not good enough to do a flat-out lie. So... <laughs> The Lindbergh baby kidnapping, all of it was true with the exception of the boat Nellie. So the FBI never found a boat. Everything I said about Nellie was incorrect, with the exception that the kidnappers did say that they had the baby on the boat. But there was never a boat. They never found the thumb guard. They never found any type of information like that. It was not a taunt. But the FBI did still waste manpower trying to prove that fact. Hmm. The only other thing I lied about was remember how I said that Hopman blamed his friend Fish? Well, Fish was in fact there and he did get blamed, but he was not described as domineering, intelligent, or anything like that. He was actually described as a chronically sick and desperately poor, harmless fur trader. Like, he was so poor that his family in Germany was still sending him money because he was starving. Like, he was always sick, could not get jobs because he was always sick and was just very, very poor. Um, so it's really likely that Fish had absolutely nothing to do with this and that Hotman just took the easy route out being like, OK, we've got a previous connection. He's also a German immigrant and he's not there. Mm. The other thing that I did not mention. 
So while there were some concerns about Hotman's trial and, you know, his treatment by the police and the fact that, you know, Lindbergh testified against Mm -hmm. him, even though he He wasn't there to hear, never saw him, never heard him, nothing of that nature. Hotman did have a criminal criminal record in Germany for crimes of a similar nature. He was known to have built ladders to th- that he then used to break into homes. What a specific calling card. Exactly. <laughs> and so, like, he had been... And he, like, broke into, like, a governor's house. Like, he... And he left notes, like, this crime matched what he had done previously. Mm-hmm. So it's not the biggest reach in the world, but there's also a chance that... The FBI found out that he did these previously. And like, and then is like this. Yeah. And is like this asshole. We need to find someone. Mm. So Fish, again, summed up. Nellie was not a boat. They never found it. Mm -hmm. Fish was a harmless dude that really just got blamed, even though he was dead and had tuberculosis. And Hotman had a previous criminal record of similar crimes. And yeah. Also, another fun side note, if you want a different side of this conspiracy theory, some people don't believe that the Lindbergh baby died. There's a man by the name of Bobby Dolphin, D-O-L-F-E-N, and there's, like, a very large standing conspiracy that they think he is the Lindbergh baby. And yeah. Wild times. Does he, does Dolphin dude know this? Mm-hmm. Is he, like... Yes, he, he, he knows it's been, like, a family thing, and it's in part because his birth and his origins are very very odd and he does bear a striking resemblance to Lindbergh like could have been doppelgangers type thing huh again I didn't delve too deep into that because that was its own conspiracy and I'm just like weird what a wild time and again it can't really be tested because the Lindbergh baby's body Charles um, was cremated and they clearly can't get you know DNA samples because the actual Lindberghs are now dead not anymore all right. Mm-mm. Wild time. Yeah. All right. Before we go into our stories, I'm going to get some water. I'm also going to put on a sweatshirt because I am cold. Our topic for the week is water. And that's a very, very broad topic. And I'm, so I'm going to narrow it down just a little bit because Jada and I know who we are and we know what our interests are. And so we're sticking with the government and consumerism within water. Because what else is there? All of our topics, if they're too broad, we just narrow it down to that topic, but with the government. <laughs> space, but space and government. Exactly. It, it helps it narrow it down. I believe we're also both doing freshwater, if that helps anybody. You doing freshwater? Yeah, I don't think kind so. Of. I don't think my story is freshwater. Is it the ocean? No. Because it's not the ocean. It's freshwater. Is it? But it's... Groundwater is freshwater. Okay. I mean, I would just consider it um, treated water. I guess I wouldn't consider that freshwater. Anything that's not the sea is, generally speaking, considered freshwater. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, because it's it's not salty. Watch someone call me out on that. Watch that be the first fact I get called out on. (laughs) No, there are many, many things that we should be called out. Oh, I know. Basically, every episode has something that someone can claim should be called out for. So... Someday we'll get there. Anyway, so we're doing water and consumerism in the government because, like, come on now. It's a conspiracy podcast, guys. Like, what are you hoping for? So here are a few fun facts or unfun facts about water. <laughs> the you Yes, do you have a comment no, on that? I just remember when your mom said, baby, you should calm down on comments of the USA. And you were like, nah. <laughs> Watch me. 
no, I stand behind what I'm doing, kind of. Yep. <laughs> so, fun facts. The U.S. water industry is around $172 billion. Just the U.S. industry. Is this also including people who are purchasing water? Mm-hmm. Okay. It includes water bottling and, like, everything around it. Okay. And then I'm going to get into a little bit of the usage. Mm-hmm. So, China uses... 1,207 billion cubic meters of water a year. India uses 1,182 billion cubic meters. And the U.S. uses 1,053 billion cubic meters per year. And because I, again, didn't do science in college, I didn't know what a cubic meter was in proportion to gallons. So I made myself sad and looked up that fact. And one (laughs) cubic meter is 264 gallons. What a weird measurement of water. I think it's because it's storage space. Right? I, I, mm-hmm. I've just never thought of water Of something in, in a cubic meter. Yeah. No. And it's because liquids don't have real shapes, I think, is the issue. Anyway, it's a shit ton of water usage. <laughs> like, it's a fucking lot. Okay. Like, yeah, I, I didn't do the math past the 246 gallons because, again, the U.S. uses... 1,053 billion yep. cubic meters. That's more so I didn't than want, you I didn't can want to fathom. Be- That's more than the human can fathom. Exactly. And it also makes me sad. That we use that so, much water? Yeah, because so much of it's wasted. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it makes me, it makes me a little sad. Anyway, on to f- another... F- this is actually a fun fact. Um, Switzerland has the best quality tap water in the world. And 80% of their drinking water comes from natural springs and groundwater. Not a surprising fact at all. Not at all. Like, all of the Scandinavian countries, like, you taste their water and you're like, why is is this what it's meant to taste like? There's also, like, significantly less people there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, on that exact note, you want to know the state in the U.S. that has the cleanest tap water? San Francisco. No, no, the state. Oh, fuck. California? <laughs> No. Based off of my story alone, no. We just talked about no population. Wyoming. Solid guess. It's Rhode Island. Damn. <laughs> I would, so I Rhode would Island, not accept an... I, is Rhode Island technically not an island? It's a peninsula, right? No. It's a peninsula. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very, very small. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's a very small proportion of clean water to keep. But, like, good job to Rhode Island. You guys are doing something. Um, so for the rest of us, we deal with a shit ton of contaminants, such as, but not limited to, aluminum, ammonia, arsenic, chloramine, chromium, copper, fluoride, lead, mercury, radium, silver, uranium, pesticides, bacteria, viruses, and a ton of other wonderful healthy things. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's real great. Um, and that fact alone also helps explain why more than 5 million deaths each year are linked to unsafe drinking water. In America alone or worldwide? Worldwide. Okay. Mm-hmm. And to put it on another global scale, this also really sucks because every one in three people globally do not have access to safe drinking water. Hmm. Yeah. So, like, a fun fact. Not really. Invest and donate to clean water sources. Please. But, like, so you'd think that the U.S. would be better than that, right? Like, you, you'd think we'd have clean water right i don't know who told you that (laughs) we are rarely the first anymore (laughs) it's a great fucking response because 
My story is about to get into this to an extreme degree. Yep. Hi, so I'm going to talk about Hinkley versus Pacific Gas and Electric Company. Okay. Hinkley is such a fun word. Have you ever heard of this? I guess it's Hinkley is such a fun word. <laughs> mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of this? No, I don't look at civil cases against PG&E. Well, no, I, it's near us is why. No. Okay, so... Jade and I are both from northern slash central California, so, like, we're intimately aware of who PG&E are, a.k.a. the Pacific Gas and Electric Company. Do people not know who PG&E are? They're a publicly traded company, but they are literally just for California. That's right. It's ter- is a fact. I didn't know. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, like, I'm intimately aware of it, but also, like, if you move out of state, you probably have actual competition among your energy providers, California doesn't. Mm-hmm. We have PG&E, and then if you go past like Bakersfield, you get like two other options. That which are is insane because California is huge. Yes, that that's why they were a publicly traded company. So we're gonna we're gonna go into how large this organization was. So <laughs> PG&E again, Pacific Gas and Electric Company is a publicly traded company that provides gas and electric for two thirds of the state of California. Or roughly 5.2 million households. They are valued at $3.24 billion and are the largest electric utility company in the U.S. Just dwell on that. Chew on that just like a little bit. Like, that's ungodly. Mm -hmm. Like, fun fact, we don't even refer to it as gas and electric. You refer to it as PG&E. Yeah. Because that's who you get it from. Like, that's your only option. And it's also the other reason if you've heard of PG&E and you're not from California is because it's really, really well known in the media because of its Chapter 11 bankruptcy that it filed January of 2019 in response to the California wildfires. So, like, remember when all of California was burning in 2017, 2018? Yeah, that was them. Yep. Schools closed down. Like, everything closed down. Like, it was literally, it was raining ash. Like, yeah. Napa Valley. Kind of, kind of lost its shit. Lost a lot of business. Oh, they lost so much business. So many people lost their homes. So many people died. Like, it was really bad. Mm-hmm. Like, just really bad. So that was their fault. Two years in a row. <laughs> because why not? Because they didn't fix it the <laughs> first time. No. No, they didn't. And so they had to file for bankruptcy because they fucked up real bad. And yeah, that's how they became became kind of a media spectacle. But like, let's reel it back a handful of years and prove that PG&E has kind of always sucked. There's a reason monopolies aren't great. Yeah. So Hinkley versus Pacific Gas and Electric Company is a response to PG&E's contamination of Hinkley's groundwater. So fun. So from 1952 to 1966... PG&E dumped about 370 million gallons of chromium-tainted wastewater into the unlined wastewater spreading ponds around the town of Hinkley, California. Okay. So water dumping. Waste dumping. Sorry. Dumping into water. It was... So they used the water... Basically, the chromium was used along with the water at one of their plants... And then you were supposed to store the water in a lined container, roughly, like a lined, like, pond. Mm-hmm. And they just didn't do that. So it reabsor- all of it reabsorbed into the groundwater. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so it yeah. fucked all the systems. Yes, aggressively so. Because it was chromium. Mm-hmm. And because, again, no science, chromium is... <laughs> 
in this case typically known as chromium-6, is a toxic chemical that is used as a cheap and efficient rust suppressor. It was used by PG&E on its compressor station for its natural gas transmission pipelines. That makes sense? Clear? Okay. So yeah, as I said, chromium-6 is toxic for the same reason that it works as a rust suppressant in which it's that it has really strong oxidizing properties. The specific type of toxicity that chromium-6 compounds are, are their genotoxin carcinogenics. I yeah. don't like carcinogenics. Although everything's no, a carcinogen. You should probably be more scared of the genotoxic okay. part. So that means that the properties of it as a chemical agent damage the genetic information within cells causing mutations that lead to cancer. Oh, no. Just what Great, we mean. Right? Mm-hmm. Other examples of this chemical are tobacco smoke, asbestos, and benzene. And while some, while something being carcinogenic does not necessarily make it toxic, being a genotoxic carcinogenic does. Like, that is the really, really nasty stuff. Mm-hmm. And this chemical typically attacks the respiratory system. It was marked in 2015 by the EU Commission for Justice, Consumers, and Gender Equality and by the U.S. OSHA as having been banned in the workplace. Like, this chemical is globally banned. Yeah. Um, It's known for causing severe damage to several organs, and symptoms of chromium-6 contamination include prostate, cervical, breast, brain, and stomach cancer, along with respiratory problems, miscarriages, and birth defects. All right, so there are no breaks on this train. No. No. No, it's it's really just, it's going to get you. Like, that's, that's it. And yeah, so PG&E dumped... 30, 370 million gallons of this. And it was at levels 10 times greater than the established California 1977 regulation. Mm-hmm. So, so like you c- did they not mm-hmm. know that it wasn't lined or did they just not want to pay for it to be lined? Hmm. Hmm. Oh. Take your guess. Okay. Take a guess. <laughs> So, as I said, like, this dumping happened from 1952 to 1966, and this was when Hinkley was a very remote town with one school and one general store. Mm-hmm. But the issue really, really became, like, front page and awful is the, the fact that PG&E didn't inform the local water board about the contamination until December 7th, 1987. So, 21 years later. How would... Huh. Okay. Yeah, 21 years after, like, the, like, uh, what, 12, 13 years they were dumping. So, just like, did, oh, we're some, put it off. did like, PG&E say something or did a whistleblower say something? PG&E apparently made the statement to the water board. That's all, that's all they would state. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, their response was that they started buying up properties in this area. Like, they started offering to buy citizens out of their home. Anytime a home went up for sale, they bought it and then demoed it. But they were doing this while telling citizens of Hinkley that the water was both safe for drinking and for agriculture. So they didn't want new people moving in, but they weren't trying to stir up anything. No, they were actively lying to the population saying, no, you guys are safe. Mm -hmm. Like, don't worry about the fact that we're demoing your town. Mm -hmm. So these offers to buy property actually caught the eye of a woman by the name of Erin Brockovich. Erin Brockovich was a legal clerk at Masary and Vitito, I'm going to butcher that last name, law firm. She was a newly employed, divorced, single mother of three who was only a filing clerk. 
And it's the reason I bring up all those facts about her is because she was only given this job out of sympathy. She actually hired this law firm for a personal injury case and the case settlement didn't pay her enough to take care of her children. So they took sympathy on her and gave her a job. Okay. Weird take, but okay. She was very pretty and very charming and very smart. And that probably had a lot to do with it. Oh, God. I mean, it worked out for the best for everybody because... Okay, yeah. And as I said, she was described as beautiful and savvy. And, like, to put it into context, Julia Robert played her. Like, there's a movie oh, there's a named movie Aaron Brockovich. Yes, there's a big movie. It was critically acclaimed called Aaron Brockovich. Oh. And she's played by Julia Roberts. Oh. So, like, just, just for concept. And she is the person who single-handedly brought to light, and like, what was happening in Hinkley. And she also single-handedly helped bring them to justice. Mm-hmm. And so the reason she started paying attention to this is because the property records were purchased were also mixed up with the local residents' medical records. So PG&E was filing their purchase orders along with the health of the resident that was there. Like their symptoms? Yeah. It just says medical records. Huh. So it could have been cases of cancer. It could have been symptoms. It could have been birth defects. It could have been anything. So basically, but they were being filed. Like they would buy people out of their property because they were sick. Or they were worried they were going to get sick. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And so PG. And so this was all in the legal documentation. And so this caught her attention and interest. And she asked for permission from Masonry to look into this further. She just like asked like. Can I legally, like, go ahead and do this? Like, this, there's something weird here. Mm-hmm. It's worth noting Aaron Brockovich's mother was also an attorney. Or not an attorney. She was a journalist. So that probably also played a little bit into this. And so she took multiple trips to Hinkley only to find evidence linking multiple different illnesses that were affecting the area that were tied directly to the chromium-6 contamination. So she was able to take that, trace it back to the PG&E compressor, which was what caused this chromium dumping. And from there, Aaron Brockovich was able to convince the legal firm she worked with to take up the case and to sue the largest electrical provider in the U.S. Mm. Yeah, that's not yeah. an easy lawsuit. No. And it started in 1993 with 77 plaintiffs, but it eventually grew into a class action lawsuit of 648. From the years 1996 to 2008, more than 196 types of cancers were identified among the residents. Mm-hmm. This time delay is due to the nature of chromium-6 and how long it can take for the damage to happen. So PG&E's lawyer tried to de-link people's health problems to exposure to chromium-6, despite the fact that they had known the compre- about the compressor's contamination since 1965 and had tried to buy property as a way to get people out. But PG&E made it, their lawyers made a point to be like, no, this is not, this has nothing to do with it. Like, we're just buying up this property in the middle of nowhere. Like, don't worry about it. It's not like we didn't know. Yeah, we know about the contamination, but like, eh, whatever. Mm -hmm. They actually went as far as to start debating that chromium-6 was not a genotoxin to the point where they discredited the original research so that this top, to like the level that this topic is still up for debate. PG&E knew about the contamination put off telling people about the contamination were buying people out of their property because they knew about the contamination but their legal case was still no this has nothing to do with it mm-hmm. and they argued the point so hard that they actually disproved the original research and it's still debated like chromium 6 is still banned in large quantities everywhere mm-hmm. but the level of its damage is still debated yeah science for so, profit mm-hmm. but you know 
something's kind of exciting that comes out of this, and it's that PG&E ended up settling in 1996 after two years of binding arbitrations for $333 million, which is the largest settlement of a direct action lawsuit in U.S. history. Yeah, so it's, like, actually a happy story for once. Yeah. And so PG&E was also required to use, to end its use of chromium-6 as a cooling system and to clean up the environment. Um, so while the $333 million was awarded to plaintiffs, multiple of them died due to health complications caused by the chromium-6 exposure, and they were never actually awarded the money. Yeah. Did someone take happy. the money, at least? I don't actually think so, because, because it's class action. It goes to each individual. So... Yeah. And PG&E also agreed to provide water to all residents as a practical means of ensuring that tainted water does not end up in the drinking water, on the cooking utensils, in showers, baths, toilets, or garden hoses. So they've literally had trucks been brought in just bringing in fresh water into this tiny town. Huh. Mm-hmm. Because they had to. So PG&E was also then unable to clean up the damage they caused by the chromium, and the contamination actually kept growing. So by 2010, they decided to go back to purchasing everybody's home. To the point that PG&E became the single largest landholder in the town of Hinckley, which then forced even more people to leave the area Mm -hmm. because PG&E was not developing any of the land they bought. They were completely destroying it to prevent squatters, to prevent people moving in. Yeah. So you were losing businesses and, like, you you were losing everything. Like, this town was decimated. Yeah. They destroyed... 60 to 80 percent of the town's business revenue hinkley's single elementary school was shut down in 2013 due to enrollment dropping hinkley's post office was closed in 2015 and the only place to buy groceries was a gas station which also announced that it was closing in 2015 pg&e was tasked with providing clean water but that also stopped in 2014 because now the water is just slightly under the maximum amount of contamination really Mm. Mm mm-hmm the only thing that Hinkley still has around is the Mojave Solar Project, which is a huge solar project from PG&E. This created thousands of temporary construction jobs and about 80 full-time jobs to manage the plant. But, like, in short, PG&E des- lied, decimated this area, and gave them nothing to recover with. Yeah. And, yeah, so PG&E, guys, it's a time. And it's <sighs> not a good one. Well, that was shitty. Yeah, if you want the more emotional telling, I definitely recommend watching Aaron Brockovich. The movie is by Steven Soderbergh, and again, it won a ton of awards. Julie Roberts, like, won Best Actress that year or whatever. Like, it's a great movie. But, yeah, PG&E, man. Always just... Now I'm sad. Well, here's to hoping yours is better. No. Or happier. No. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. It's cool. It's just gonna be yeah, a little sad. <laughs> It's fine. I tried to keep it really short. I I just, I find it interesting that this is probably going to be on our sadder sides of episodes. And it's like, and we just, water. water. <laughs> you know, I'm not surprised. Water does a lot of things and it's more important than people realize and it's more fucked up than people realize. Okay, so my story is the fluoride deception. Oh, yes. Yes. So the, yes. the main driving force behind water fluoridation is to cover for the ill effects of fluoride gas produced by the Manhattan Project. Yes. <laughs> Fuck. Yes. I'm so excited. Okay. It's good. I told you my grandfather was part of the cover up for the Manhattan Project, right? You told me a lot of things about your grandfather. 
Wild man. Yeah, he got skin cancer because he was, like, part of the cover-up and he was, like, in the testing area of the Manhattan Project. Wild. Yeah. He lives a wild life. That's it. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Continue. So... Just to set the tone, uh, water fluoridation is a controlled adjustment of fluoride to public water supply to reduce tooth decay. The CDC claims fluoridated water contains fluoride at a level where we can receive the positive benefits of reducing cavities without bodily harm. Fluoride can be added naturally or be adding a soluble mix to water supply. So water fluoridation affects nearly two-thirds of households across America, which is about... Three out of four Americans. Fuck. Yeah. So a lot, like pretty much everyone is drinking fluoridated water. Everyone, yeah, everybody's drinking fluoride. Mm -hmm. Great. And I list that as a major contaminator and like dangerous chemical that's in our drinking source. Fun. Continue. (laughs) Okay. So in the 1900s, like literally 1900, (laughs) it's like 1903, surgeon John Eager was perplexed by a common symptom among his patients, brown teeth. Despite their general good health, people from all classes would have mol- mo- uh, molted brown stain or black brown stains or black lines running horizontally across their teeth. Concurrently in America, dentist Frederick McKay came across his own cases in Colorado Springs. For him, he named this disorder the Colorado stain. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of an awful name. Okay. Mm-hmm. Little did Edgar know, his discovery was actually the first published instance of dental fluorosis, a type of disorder that causes tooth enamel hypomineralization, which is literally caused by consuming too much fluoride. Oh. Yeah. McKay was... So... Th- Go ahead. So they literally proved that drinking too... Or having too much fluoride in your system ruins your teeth. Yes. Hypo, hypo, fluoridization. That's not a word, but mm. you get it. McKay was fascinated by the issue and wrote his own article in 1915, which was a series of five papers that discussed the symptoms of Colorado stain and concluded that it started in child development. So this is the interesting, seemingly quiet beginning of America's love-hate relationship with fluoride. Fluoride. That's also really interesting that starts so early in childhood because, like, I mean, I know nothing about teeth, but, like, you'd assume that because you lose your baby teeth. teeth and, like, yeah, mm-hmm. that it'd be, like, less of an issue. So I think it's mostly because that's your development stage. Um, mm. Because a lot of this uh, symptoms affect mostly adolescent children. Okay, that's fair. So. Uh, so the love-hate relationship with Americans and fluoride. Yes, that was a precursor. We'll get back to it at the end. Keep that in mind. Okay. So in 1944, E.I. DuPont de Nemours Company, a chemical factory. Just <laughs> Sorry, I'm mouthing along to the word DuPont. DuPont. That's how I refer to it. DuPont. <laughs> DuPont. Uh, so a chemical factory was a center of a pollution incident that ruined crops of a, da- crops of a downwind farming community in Gloucester and Salem, New Jersey. A representative from Sadler Laboratories of Philadelphia set out to uncover what kind of damage could be attributed to DuPont. So Sadler Laboratories was a consulting firm. Okay. Yeah. Here are some of the accounts. High quality peach crop and poultry were rapidly dying from an unknown cause. Farmers who ate from their own crop had food poisoning like symptoms. 
You're making a lot of fun oh. faces. <laughs> um, horses and cows suffered from bone sickness, which made it difficult for them to stand. Oh, and if horse can't stand or a cow can't stand, goodbye. Yeah. Some reports claim that cows would graze on their bellies because they couldn't walk on all fours. Oh, that's real bad. That's real bad. Yeah. You're from a farm town. You would know. I also took a horse husbandry class in college. Oh, I didn't know that. Fun facts for everyone. Yeah, it was it was my favorite science class, but it basically proved that horses are the most poorly designed animals yep, ever. Behind humans. Yep. <laughs> no, no, no. They actually top us on being just the worst designed animal. Sorry, I said behind humans. I meant in front of humans. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> second. Humans are second to horses. Yes. Okay. So high fluoride content and local resident blood. And high levels of fluoride and vegetables grown downwind from the DuPont factory. Hmm. Shortly after, farmers from New Jersey sued DuPont for fluoride damage. Okay, fair. I feel like that was a good call. Yeah. Little did the farmers know that the DuPont factory was producing large amounts of fluoride, a necessary chemical in the making of the atomic bomb. <laughs> Wonderful. So, upon being sued, Major General Leslie R. Groves, the director of the Manhattan Project, held a meeting with scientists and officials from the U.S. War Department, the Manhattan Project, the FDA, the Agricultural and Justice Departments, the U.S. Chemical Warfare Service, the Bureau of Standards, and lawyer representatives from DuPont, and they opened an inv investigation into crop damage and fumes from the Manhattan Project plants. Hmm. That's a lot. That's a lot that's of a people. Lot. That's a lot of people. <laughs> that's a lot of people to agree to sit in one room for a meeting. Yeah. You, you know you fucked up at that point. <laughs> so the Manhattan Project was in a difficult position. If the farmers were able to sue and win, it would give precedent to other potential cases and would limit the ability to use fluoride. Also, yeah, that doesn't sound like a negative. <laughs> it was also like a minor part that it would cost a shit ton of money because it would prove bodily harm by fluoride. Yeah, no, 100% would prove bodily harm. But like, hmm, this doesn't sound like a bad call. Prevent, yeah, preventing the use of fluoride. It's fine. <laughs> okay, so the Manhattan Project had a vested interest in quashing this lawsuit before it could even begin. Um, additionally, the FDI, FDA backed down from a planned region embargo on crops coming from New Jersey um, on the request of DuPont. So DuPont representatives. Oh, so they let everybody get ill. Yeah. From the, like from the food. Basically. So nice. <laughs> DuPont representatives nice. stressed that the government had, this is a quote, substantial interest, which the government had in claims which might arise as a result of action which might be taken by the Food and Drug Administration. Which is the most confusing fucking way to say... I was going to say, I don't think that was a sentence. Don't fucking do it. Like, <laughs> it's basically a non-denial denial. Like, they didn't want to say that there's poison in the food, but, like, the America also would be not eating it. very unhappy if people knew that there was poison in the food, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people would be unhappy if they knew poison was in their food. I think that's just like a human thing. I think we just prefer not eating toxins. We just want to live. <laughs> like, just 
we just want to live okay. Like, it doesn't even have to be great. We just don't want to be ingesting more toxins than strictly necessary. Yes, this tracks. <laughs> so, in response to the desire to quash, the U.S. Army Chemical Warfare Service would conduct a new fluoride test in New Jersey, and the University of Rochester would instate Program F, a black site funded by the Manhattan Project within the Strong Memorial Hospital. A black fight? Black site. Flight? Black site. Like top secret. Oh, so doesn't, yeah. yeah. So like, no, it doesn't exist. No one knows. Okay. Yeah. So this is also the same place that Eileen Wilson, the Pulitzer Prize winner, uncovered the human plutonium testing carried out by the Atomic Energy Project. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Oh, no. Not great. We don't get better. We This no. doesn't go up from here. No, we really have just been doing sad episodes. We really kind of started off like silly and now we're like, hmm, the government and everybody is trying to kill you and covering it up. Pretty much. Yeah. So the when do we get the tinfoil hats? (laughs) Soon after this, pretty much. Okay. Meeting this was rough. (laughs) Maybe by next episode. (laughs) Maybe. So program F was a secret project that tested blood and tissue from people in New Jersey who were affected by fluoride gas pollution. The director, Harold Hodge, was also the same leader of the human plutonium testing later in his career. Great. Yeah, so the person. Great. Yep. We lo- it's good overlap. Programs F's stated purpose is to supply evidence useful in litigation arising from the alleged loss of fruit crop. Our principal effort has been devoted to describing the relationship of blood fluorides to toxic effects. So, Program F posed a clear conflict of interest. The perpetrator was investigating the issue of their own pollution to determine if there were any health issues. So this is very much like today, where the perpetrator is investigating themselves, thereby calming systems of inequality. So, we've been doing this forever, y'all. Always. Mm -hmm. Now, again, there's no independent studies if you're funded by the people that you're studying. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not really it's a really if like you're getting paid. It's like a really, really easy point blank. Like that's step zero. That's not even step one for independence. Okay, continue. Yeah. So much like plutonium, the Rochester science was more or less inconclusive, and the F program needed human studies to be sure of the effects. Thus began the public water fluoridation projects. They just fucking started toxic blasting people because they're like, we need to see. Mm-hmm. The Newberg demonstration. Dandy. <laughs> I told you it's not getting better from here. Neat. Um, so the Newberg demonstration project is considered the most extensive study of water fluoridation and is the main source of evidence that fluoridation is safe. Uh, the New York State Health Department Committee was attended by Hodge and a few of his colleagues from the Manhattan Project. So their involvement in the project was kept secret and s- uh, by the project, I mean Manhattan Project. Instead, Hodge was described as a pharmacologist, and Barnett, another uh, Man- Manhattan Project alumni, described as a pediatrician. So they were a part hmm. of this committee, but they never disclosed the fact that they were, had a vested interest in understanding How fluoride, but also being a part of the Manhattan Project. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In addition, representatives from the meeting I mentioned earlier with all those list of agencies, uh, they were also there along with the DuPont lawyers. They were a part of the committee. DuPont. DuPont. (laughs) DuPont. 
Okay, so really they're just collecting every powerful person that has even a toe in this water. Like, hi. Yeah. Make sure you railroad this, basically. So this committee decided that Newburgh would be the first city to fluoridate their water to answer the question, are there any cumulative effects, beneficial or otherwise, on tissues and organs or of long-continued ingestion of such small concentrations? So over a 10-year period, residents of Newburgh was studied by this group and the secretly and secretly also studied by Program F. The study concluded that small concentrations of fluoride were safe for U.S. citizens. And this study, although unpublished, also concluded that while men had less cavities, they also had less teeth. (laughs) No! (laughs) No, that's not a fair comparison! (laughs) No! So... The Newburgh demonstration provided the bulk of the evidence that opened the gateway to public fluoridation. So, why is this important? Mainly because what I mentioned in the beginning, dental fluorosis. Dental fluorosis is actually a very common issue, and the molted teeth are late-stage effects. Up to 80% of young people in America have dental fluorosis with the first visible signs of excessive fluoride exposure being white flecks or spots. Like, on your teeth. Also known as tooth scars. Yeah. Yeah. So, I unfortunately have some. Yeah, my mom does too. I don't have them. I th- they blamed it on braces, though. I don't want yeah, that fact in here, but like, yeah. Um, in addition to this, I'm gonna- teeth are the visible stage and speak to a larger issue that's happening in the bones. So pediatric bone specialist Paul Connett have connected bone damage and stress fractures among youth due to fluoride te- intake in formative years. Um, adolescent fluoride exposure is also linked to calcification of the pine- pineal gland, the gland that produces mel- melatonin. <laughs> so I can blame the fluoride on why I can't fucking sleep? Yes, calcification of this gland has been linked to insomnia and poor sleep quality. So literally, yes. Mm. You drank too much water and now you can't sleep. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And f- she's going to keep sitting my definitely toxic water. <laughs> Fresno has a really high lead qual- quantity also. So like, it's fine. Good it's for not getting better from here. You're already an adult. <laughs> mm-hmm. And finally. We definitely drank from the hose as a child. I did not catch any of that. I said I definitely drank from the garden hose as a child. It's fine. It's fine. Didn't kill me yet. And finally, fluoride is actually only beneficial if provided topically, not ingested. Studies have confirmed that fluoride is most effective when applied directly to the teeth, and there are no additional benefits by digestion. This is why fluoride is commonly an ingredient in toothpaste. Okay, that at least makes sense. That makes more sense. Yeah, so that's my story. The reason we have fluoride in the water is because a lot of people got sick. Basically. In Manhattan Project. Yes. In New Jersey. Hey, what was your comment in like episode, last episode of like, we're always only like two degrees separation from Nazis? (laughs) Two degrees from Hitler. (laughs) Actually, the game is called five degrees from Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Do we want to count how many degrees away we are from Hitler with this? I don't even think we're that. I think we're like one degree away. I feel like this is a direct connection. (laughs) I feel like we can say it's two because at least it was like a d- directly aimed at Japan, not at Germany, I guess. Okay, fine. That's that's an argument, I guess. 
Eh, it's whatever. Anyway, wow, that's upsetting. I can't drink. Wow, that wasn't a word. You can try that sentence yeah, again. Go for you it. Can try that full thing <laughs> in. I said, wow, I'm really upset. I can't sleep because I'm trying to stay hydrated. Yeah. Yeah. Reading this made me very uncomfortable. Like, very uncomfortable. Yeah, no, I, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't appreciate it. Um, actively upset about it as someone who doesn't have great teeth because genetics or potentially just the fucking water. <laughs> Sorry. It's fine. That's not funny. I quit. My story was like 10 minutes long. That's fine. <laughs> it's okay. Mine was too. Like it really, for some reason, I thought I did a lot of research and I had like three and a half pages and it took me seven minutes. But yeah. Any questions about the fluoridation of water? Just that I'm upset. It's not really a question, but um, okay. <laughs> no, it's just a statement. I, I don't think I have questions. Do we have hot takes? Do you have a hot take? Hot take. What was your story again? Hinkley versus PG&E. Hinkley versus PG&E. Mm-hmm. Class action lawsuit, Chromium 6. Yes. yes. Um, yeah. Yes. All the things. No. I'm really bad at hot takes. I thought when we came up with this idea, I thought I would be much better at it, but I'm awful at hot takes. I was going to say, I'm like 95% sure this was Jada's idea. Yeah, it was. It's because she actually tries to like logic her hot take and I just take whatever offended me in the story and run That's with it. That's true. I want my hot take to be like a hot take. It's fine. Um, no, I, I still stand behind whatever that Nazi Germany symbol shape you listed is not a shape. The lozenge? <laughs> not a shape okay my hot take is that the Hinkley town will soon be a mall oh that's a solid yeah, one because it's a shit ton of land that's undeveloped in California someone's gonna fucking buy it and build on it that's wow yeah it's unfortunately true mm-hmm. you're not gonna be able to drink um, the water there <laughs> no, you're gonna bring your wash own your hands fucking with water it. bottle <laughs> Ooh, yeah, wait, don't trust take. the hydration better stations. Take. Better hot take. Yes. Nestle's gonna buy it and make a water park. <laughs> but <laughs> that's the hot yep. take. Um what was the name of the New Jersey city that this all took place in? Um, so there is a f- there was two towns. There was Gloucester and Salem. Okay. I'm gonna completely disregard that entire question. And my hot take is that Dupont was actually a foreign company that was doing this on purpose to weaken the US government. Fascinating. I like that. That's gonna be my hot so take. They were like, like they intentionally purpose- bad at their jobs. Yes, they were intentionally spilling contaminations and they didn't know what the benefits would be of them doing this, but they knew that it would at least weaken or hurt this area and destroying agriculture is literally a war crime. But like, if you're a private company, it just means you're kind of shitty. Like, not going to get tried, not going to get tried as a Yeah, you're not doing it on purpose. It was an accident that all those people lost their livelihoods. It's fine. Yeah, (laughs) it's it's totally not your fault. And like, oh, you can totally afford to pay the U.S. government to make sure that this food is still shipped out. Not your fault. You're not going to get tried. So I'm going to say that Dupont was a foreign company. We're not going to say it's French, even though it's a French name, and that they were actively trying to weaken the U.S. And then they acted accidentally stumbled upon something bigger and then made it a bigger ordeal and then completely have made all of us in just Florida. Yeah. Like they were like, ah, oh, fuck, we fucked up. And then they just kept going with it. Like they didn't want to pull out. <laughs> no, they're like, hmm, we were aiming for smaller results, but this fucking works. 
That's my hot take. DuPont was not a US-based company. It's actually that a they good were cake. purposely doing this. Okay, cool. Yeah, I liked our hot takes. Jada, where can people find us? What should people say to us? Why should they reach out to oh, us? That three questions back to back. Okay, so you can email us at one of us is at lyingthepodcast.com. Uh, you can also mm-hmm. email Curdy or myself personally at Curdy is at lyingthepodcast or Jada is at lyingthepodcast. Uh, very straightforward there. Um, mm-hmm. You should probably just... You know who you're talking to. <laughs> if you don't want to talk to me, Curdy will always listen to your problems. <laughs> Please. I just want friends. <laughs> um, you are free to email us about pretty much anything. I'm always interested in like what conspiracy theory you believe in or you want us to talk about. I run out of oh, ideas please. quickly. Give me some. That's totally fine. Tell us. Also, if you I... have opinions, down. Yes. <laughs> please. I want to hear your hot takes. I want to hear someone argue against me that a lozenge is in fact a shape. <laughs> Mathematically fucking prove it to me. Because I don't believe Wait. you. Oh, God. I just... You shapes math. <laughs> shapes. <laughs> Trigonometry? Geometry. Uh, shapes. Uh, shapes are math. Uh, like, there is a direct correlation that shapes are math. But like, to me, like, shapes can also be just like a squiggle that's closed. Except that you can mathematically prove and show. Fuck math. Okay. I know. So if someone can mathematically prove to me that a lozenge is a shape, I will actually Venmo you like $10. (laughs) And like, I'm not counting a Wikipedia article. Like, I want to see a research paper on it. Like, someone help me. Patreon content, guys. (laughs) (laughs) I will pay you to talk to me. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Our Instagram is One of Us is Lying Podcast. Same with our Facebook. Um, unfortunately, Twitter doesn't like us and our handle was taken, so we are lying the podcast on Twitter. I promise I'll be more active on all the things. We're getting back to a regular like hosting, posting, yada yada cadence schedule. Yeah. Is cadence the actual word for it? Yeah. Oh, look at that. Yeah, I'm hosting and posting, yada, yada. That's what I got. That's what I got, guys. Yeah, so thanks for tuning in to One of Us is Lying. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope that the hot takes made up for how sad our stories were. Yeah, surprisingly sad. Like, really sad. Oh, well, the world is ending eventually. It's fine. It's just don't drink the groundwater. (laughs) The chemicals are turning the frogs gay. (laughs) Anyway. Thanks for tuning in to One of Us is Lying. We hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. And once again, stay suspicious and question everything. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. And outro music. (laughs) 